welcome back, uh, everyone, to the Art of Game Mastery's Finding Path stream. Uh, generally, this stream is primarily focused around game mastery in regards to Pathfinder 2e. Um, <laughs> but um, this one's going to be a little special, I think. Uh, so last, was it last week or the week before? I'm just losing oh. track of time. Last week. Last week. Last week we were at uh, Gen Con uh, Indy in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, neither of us have ever been there before. Um, so it was our first time. Uh, learned a lot of things. Some things we were super happy with, some things we were not so happy with. And uh, we thought that we would take this stream to just, yeah, just a general back and forth talk about Gen Con as a whole. Um, I don't know how many of our viewers have been there. I know this year was especially difficult because of gestures at everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall I had a good time. Um, I think that we definitely learned a lot of what to do next time if we go. Um, there were definitely, like, for instance, one of the big things was just to get it out of the way. Uh, neither of us knew that we had to sign up for games. And I think... I don't know if, if the fact we didn't sign up early would have been such a problem if Gen Con wasn't run the way it was this year. Like, I, I since I haven't been there in previous years when it was quote-unquote normal, um, I don't know what to compare it to. But this time, because we didn't sign up early, we basically couldn't get into any games at all. Um, Pathfinder, uh, I think, Jack, you did manage to sneak into a um, uh, Shadowrun game, right? 6E? Uh, but like Pathfinder, Starfinder, D and D, even a lot of the smaller games like um, what was the one with the card mechanics? Through the breach. Through the That's breach. A, yeah, that was one we really wanted to try out after talking to another con goer, um, but unfortunately they were also booked up. Um, I think the only. Yeah. Okay. So uh, AOS. You said I'd like or I dislike the part about big cons, hard to get into the going ons. Yeah, is that so? I mean, I'm not a big con goer. I mean, I, being in the video game industry, the only cons I've really been to are like E3 and, you know, things like that. So not really quite the same thing. So is this something normal in cons that we just weren't aware of? Or I mean, I could have gotten into some Magic the Gathering games, but I just didn't want to. I mean, it's been a long time since I played Magic. So, yeah. but there were some openings for that. I just think. Like based on like the tables that we saw and the amount of games that were going on, there were so few Pathfinder games happening. Mm -hmm. I think Paizo not being at Gen Con was probably the biggest contributor. No, oh, I think that and also the whole kerfuffle right before Gen Con with Paizo probably didn't help their case either. Um yeah, Kendra exactly Savum right. said they limited games more than people this year. Okay, so it is different than normal. Um, that's what I kind of expected, uh, but I wasn't quite sure if that was the case or not since I didn't hear it. But that, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I know when we were talking to the Through the Breach people um, that were running the tables there, they only had like a couple tables, and each table could only have like four people. And apparently Gen Con was super strict uh, this year, uh, according to them. Um, with how many people could be at a table, how many tables you could have, how far away they could be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I imagine too, that with the super strict rules, it probably just made a lot of people also be like, I don't want to screw with this. This isn't worth my time kind of deal. You know what I mean? 
so they probably just didn't bother a lot of companies probably didn't bother setting up games um ironically <laughs> the one game that i did see that was available was fate uh there was a couple fate games open but they were from what the description sounded they didn't sound like super up my alley they were more like um mystery style more i think they were kind of harking back to the the dresden files origins kind of deal and it's just i mean those are fun um but it's not not my not my jam personally so i opted out of those but um i did like that <laughs> it was not not faded i guess you could say uh it was um it just wasn't meant to be um but i did like that they uh provided an open space where you could kind of grab a cone from the HQ, they called it, which is basically the info booth. Um, and they would let you run your own games. Uh, and we actually had a, a good amount of success with that. It's it's unfortunate we didn't realize it till like, I think Saturday, which is like the second from the last day. For all intents and purposes, it was the last day, really. Sunday was a joke. Um, but I think when we did set up Saturday, we had a blast doing it. Um, we, I think we, how many, like, I ran a game, you ran one game too, right? Or did you run two games? I don't remember. I, <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was one. I think we ran one each. Um, but I know we had a lot of people come by and a lot of people interested. Um, I think that if there were more pe tables running it, we would have seen even more people because I think a number of people came by and we already had like pretty big tables. And like at one point, a, a larger group of people came by and we had, were like just finishing up one of our one shots and like oh it's a shame kind of just walked away um i think there was definitely room for more people running pathfinder 2e there definitely seemed to be interest which i like to see i love to see interest in in the game um especially i was a little concerned that there wouldn't be any interest because of the whole allegations that cropped up right before gen con for paizo um yeah what do you think about the whole uh open table format there? Um... Well, Friday I felt kind of like a chicken with my head cut off, just trying to. Uh, was it Thursday our first day, or was that Friday? Uh, well, Thursday was our first day, but um, we kind of mostly just stuck to the exhibit hall Thursday. Well, Thursday I didn't even discover that there was a second story and that there was an entire uh, gamer hall library that was available upstairs. So, yeah. They had um, programs, but it wasn't necessarily evident, and there was not a whole lot of like communication about like what they were offering. Yeah, I mean, maybe we missed it, but I didn't see. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of signs either that like pointed you to like say this and that is over here, this and that's over there. It's just kind of like this one giant exhibit hall, um, and then that's connected to a large, a couple large rooms, and there's really no nothing to point you in a direction. You kind of just wander and. Maybe you figure it out, maybe you don't. Um, I also felt like this year was, it may, again, maybe this is normal, I don't know, but this year I felt it was very board game centric versus I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of tabletop RPG stuff there in general. Um, I felt even like the 5e stuff was lacking. Like I didn't see a whole lot of 5e tables and I didn't mm -hmm. see a whole lot of 5e merchandise. I don't, definitely don't think Wizards of the Coast is even there. Um, I saw a lot of, um, I don't know if paraphernalia is the right word, <laughs> but a lot of uh, like auxiliary things for 5e, not even like supplement books, but like 5e themed cards and 
you know, things to help out with uh, playing the game rather than actual mechanics and rules for playing the game, like books and whatnot. Um, a lot of dice, a lot of really cool dice, actually. There was a big, um, see, Drewy says, normally Paizo has a big presence in the entire Sagamore ballroom, where the game library was, is full of scheduled RPGs, runs primarily, that's really cool. And I wish that was the case this year. Um, I know Paizo did their kind of Paizo con, or no, I mean, Paizo online thing. Um, I felt, I even watched those, and I felt like they were extremely lackluster. The keynote was cool um, that Eric did. Uh, but other than that, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot. Like, their announcement panels were very bland. Their their games were, like, they're they, most of the stuff they streamed was other people running Pathfinder 2E games. Like, it wasn't even them running it. Like, it was, like, just other channels and stuff like that running games on their stream. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, uh, actual plays are cool, but it's, it's Gen Con. I'm not here to watch actual plays. I want to see news and announcements and stuff, right? Um, Jury says, I don't think Wizards ever has their own presence there. The 5e presence is mostly just general book. Okay. That's kind of interesting. Do they have their own con? Do you know? I know, I know PaizoCon has, Paizo has PaizoCon, but I don't, I didn't know Wizards uh, had, uh, WizKids. WizKids. Ah, okay. So they do have their own cons. Well, that makes sense. I mean, like I said, I'm in the video game industry. It's becoming fairly standard here as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of big, uh, video game companies are leaving E3 and running their own things now. Um, it's just it's just cheaper, easier. Um, and they ended up reaching the same amount of people. So don't blame them. But I do feel like Paizo, even though they did the online con thing, they really... Thank you for the follow. We've had like three follows now. And unfortunately, it looks like... Hold on, I got to fix this. The follow hmm. notifications thing is behind my camera. Um, let me... Pull this guy down here. There we oh, go. Goon7 and everyone else who just followed his name, I could not see because it was covered up by my camera. I apologize, but thank you for following. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I think that I don't. Jack, did you watch any of the Paizo online Gen Con stuff? Um, I watched a few, uh, mostly for the news, is what I was looking for, which is kind of what we were expecting to cover um, as far as like revamp from this Gen Con since they released the news as part of Gen Con. Jury said 2019 on PF2E release, I was able to get my full rule book signed by a bunch of PF artists, Jason, Eric, and a few others. Pretty cool under normal. That's cool. Like, I would love to see that return. And I hope that, you know, now that the pandemic kind of pushed things in this direction, I hope this direction doesn't become the normal direction, right? And that's what I fear the most is that now that people realize, oh, I can just do this online and no one, it's, it's, it's chill just fine. Everyone's cool with it. I hope they don't start just doing it online because it's cheaper and easier. Um, so I really hope they start coming back in person. It's stuff. Definitely scratch an itch for being able to have our own table and setting down mm -hmm. and playing again, playing in person. I missed playing in person so I much. Played in person in two years. Um, I know, I know, we've been debating about this term, Jack, but hot take. Uh, I think virtual tabletops are ruining the hobby. Um. It's it's becoming it's a new thing. There's I have a completely different mentality for prepping for online games versus in-person games. It takes so much freaking time to prep for a virtual tabletop game compared to an in-person game. So much time. And I feel like I spend so much time... I'm going to go too much of a tangent here, but I feel like I spend so much time making maps and entering tokens and data entry and stuff like that than... I spend on actually creating the game, right? Or running the game. And that just, 
I mean, sure, I, it's it's fun from time to time, but sometimes I just want to get playing, you know? Like, I just want to sit down, start playing, have fun, and not have to yeah. screw around with... There's some cons here about, like, whenever we were trying to meet at a place, I don't know, this was a lot of issue because I played D&D all through high school, was having a place to play, which was always difficult, and then getting people to all meet in that location. The virtual tabletops are, you know, they do have some pros and cons there because... They do have some really cool facets of their aspects. Their car breaks down. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think they're really cool. I just think that an an unfortunate side effect of them is that a lot of... So I think it's kind of more of a timing thing than the actual problem of virtual tabletops. I think the fact that virtual tabletops became popular just as 5e became the behemoth it is, and so many new people entered the hobby... There's the expectations of somebody running a virtual tabletop game is just way higher than it should be, in my opinion. Like, so many people started playing D&D or tabletop RGs or whatever in this era, right? And they don't even know what it's like to play in person. They've only played online, and they've only played... Um, a lot of them have only played in these super fleshed-out VTT games that have, you know, custom art and tokens and, you know giant world maps and everything and like that's awesome like it's really cool but you know I, I don't when i'm playing a tabletop rpg i'm not trying to play a video game i'm trying to play a tabletop rpg and i feel like when you have to create all those maps and tokens and everything yeah it's awesome but i feel like it also ends up restricting the gameplay because if you don't have something prepped with maps and tokens or whatnot you feel like as a gm at least i feel like i have to intervene a bit and steer them in a direction that I have this stuff or they're going to be very disappointed because they enter a place I had all these cool stuff mapped out and then they enter a place I wasn't prepared for and now they're like what the hell is this you know um there was there's definitely a lot more um being able to manipulate things on the fly in person yeah. especially when the map quality was you drawing something and most of the other part of the quality was figurines I minis I was painting I spent all my money on on minis and paints. Yeah. So, Drewy, uh, Drewy says I don't read anything that I I can't find a repository of maps or whatnot where someone else has already done the work. Yeah. Um, totally fair. I totally think that's probably the right approach. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I love to homebrew, um, but the downside of that is I have to go out of my way and find. You know, it'd be really cool service, like uh, a drive-through RPG but just for maps and tokens and whatnot. Like, just let artists upload a bunch of stuff and let me easily search it. Um, drive through RPG search is also kind of shit. Uh, no offense, drive through RPG, but that's definitely a point you can approve on. Um, but yeah, if, if there was, like, a, a website or social network that you could just share maps and stuff, and it's easily searchable, easily to find exactly what you want, it has the critical mass of artists that have produced a lot of really good content, that would be awesome. Um, I wish I had the time to create something like that. But I was gonna say, if you see a need, fill a need. Yeah, someone could do that with assets for two minute. I had not heard of two minute tabletop. Uh, is that a two minute tabletop's pretty good? Um, I've been to their site before. Uh, they showed me. Oh, um... that's okay. That's basically what I want. Is the, is it like searchable? And uh, AOS said they literally just sell assets for you to cobble together. It's pretty. It's pretty affordable as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's cool. Um. I think that as VTTs grow more and more thing services and products like that are going to be more and more useful. 
uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, Forgotten Adventures, but they make a lot of asset packs, and almost all of them are free, which are awesome. Um, and I use, I use they have uh, they also release Dungeon Draft integrations, so like you can load all the assets directly into Dungeon Draft, Dungeon Draft in their file formats. And I use Dungeon Draft for creating my dungeon maps and also some of my town maps when I do create those. Um, so that's been super helpful as well. If you are a patron, I think it's like, I think the base patron thing is like $5 a month or something, but you get even more access to even more assets, which is awesome. Uh, so that's been helpful. Awesome. Definitely helpful. But there's still all that prep time. It's like, if I can't find the exact map I want, I have to make it. I feel like for dungeons specifically, um, mm. it's difficult. What I really need to do, <laughs> don't you forget about me. <laughs> But um, lucky that's why we had we got to go to Gen Con. We got to sit down and run a game. You yeah. ran a pretty fun game. Did you want to talk about what kind of game you ran, John? Yeah. So I have a little. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that whole tangent there. Um, that was just a gripe I've had for a while now. I wanted to get off my chest. But going back to Gen Con, we ran. Uh, I ran a game. Jack ran a game. The game I ran was an intro adventure that I run in a number of homebrew campaigns. Um, so it's re it's so it's one that I I basically know by heart at this point. The only thing I don't have memorized are like the specific monster stats and whatnot. So I just pulled them up on a laptop and for reference. Um, and you know it's also the way it's designed. It's also very easy to change and finagle stuff on the fly. Like Jack has run this intro adventure before, so he was yeah. or they were expecting certain things, and to kind of combat that when they reached certain points where Jack was probably expecting something to happen, I kind of changed it up a bit, just, you know, kind of make it fresh for them. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a very easy, I think it only took like three hours to run, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you did it the one shot in about three hours. Yeah, so um, I thought it, I thought it went well. Um, there were actually less people at my session than there were Jack's. As I mentioned, we had a huge group of people come towards the end. Um, and it's very unfortunate they came when they did because uh, they really wanted to try Pathfinder 2E. I think most of them, if not all of them, had not played Pathfinder 2E at all yet. They were looking to play it because they wanted to try it out. So um, I did feel bad that we were towards the end there. Sunday was pretty terrible for them to just be like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, Sunday was especially bad. Oh, man. Drive by and try to close early on top of all of that. Yeah, so uh, we didn't realize Sunday they closed at 4. Um, and then apparently, according to the info booth, it was a hard cutoff. Like, at 4 o'clock, they kicked everyone out. There was no ifs, ands, buts about it. Um, we we got there, I think, around 2.30 and started setting up, like, to the open table section. We had spent some time in the exhibit hall before that. Um, and then by the time we got set up and had some people, you know, making characters, 3 o'clock came around. I went to the info booth for something. Oh, pin. I needed a pin. Um, and I went there and... They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're shutting down at 4. I'm like, oh, well, that sucks because it's like 3.15 right now. <laughs> I don't think we we haven't finished creating characters. I don't think we can manage to finish creating characters and run a one-shot um, uh, We had just minutes. barely got all of the uh, the characters ready. And then they were like, okay, uh, time to take the cones back. And, and they didn't uh, even, like, what gets me is they didn't even, like, make any preliminary announcements saying, hey, we're closing. It's just, like, they expect you to know, oh, yeah, we're closing at 4. And I, mean, I guess one, one telltale sign we should have picked up on is there's no magic tournament going on, which there always was every other day. So mm -hmm. maybe, but still, like, I feel like, you know, 
45 minutes till you're closing there should be some kind of like announcement saying hey by the way if you know you forgot or don't uh, know we're shut down in 45 minutes way differently because yeah. i was expecting to play all of sunday and then fly back monday and if you're going from west coast to east coast that's a you know an entire day's worth of yeah. of travel well you also we're friend, also going against the jet stream this. going from east to west so that adds even more time to our travel yep. and just for for sunday everything closed early there's nothing to do like sit at your hotel yeah i don't know What'd you I'm think really of the city, Indianapolis? Have you, have you been to Indianapolis before? I have uh, rare, once when I was younger. I had an aunt who lived in Indiana. Um, I had never been to Indiana before. It's one of the few states I've never been in. Um, and I've definitely never been to Indianapolis. Um, I thought it was neat. It was an old town. Uh, I felt it like... It had a really different feel to it. It did. I'm used to it was a very different Indiana feel than like L.A. or different. Seattle or New York or something like that. Um, but... I was a little disappointed in the food options. I felt like they had nothing but breweries. And the breweries weren't even that good. Like, their beer selections were pretty crap, to be frank. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know how you can make a brewery and then, like, most of the beers you sell are, like, Coors Light and Budweiser and Bud Light with maybe a couple things on. Like, that just blew my mind. Like, are you even a brewery at that point, or are you just a shitty restaurant? Uh, <laughs> yeah the uh the food left a lot to be desired. there was a there was a sushi restaurant that was open from like five to ten or something but we could try i only trusted the chains there like after we 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 drove like what like two miles out we yeah. got a cab to go to a decent restaurant and then even that place was kind of like it was just okay i don't know those brussels sprouts are probably the best brussels sprouts i've had in a very long time those were very mm. good brussels sprouts um yeah, go back to the con thing. I like the exhibit hall. I really did. Um, I just wish there was more tabletop RPG stuff. Um, there were a lot of really cool mini booths, like hand handcrafted minis, which I thought were really cool, hand painted and handcrafted. Um, I don't know. Was there anything in particular you stood out to you in the exhibit hall, Jack? Um. There was just so many um, like pickup games going on there. Like you could buy the game and then you could just kind of sit down and test it out. I really liked that kind of setup. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of board games that weren't purchasable yet, but you could purchase them there, which was kind of cool. So it was like an early early access kind of thing. Um, there was a dice company that I bought from. It's like MDG Dice or something like that. The uh, um, Metallic the Dice Games. That's what it was. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen their dice, but they make some awesome stuff. Uh, they had some Gen Con exclusive dice. Um, and they had a couple sets, actually. The one I picked up, uh, it was a little pricey, but it was like a, a glass. They were glass dice, basically. It's like all glass dice, but they had like a prismatic effect to them. So like whenever light hits them, there's like it's like a rainbow color in the dice. It's really freaking cool. And they had the Gen Con 2021 logo on them. I thought they were awesome. Um, the I don't remember the company's name, but they did a Kickstarter recently for their Space Dice, which I did kickstart. They were there and showcasing those dice. Um, they looked really good. There was just some really cool dice companies. And I felt sorry for the dice companies that were there, who's like, were just basically basic plastic dice. that didn't have anything special. I'm like, you guys are kind of like being 
overshadowed by these companies who are making these really crazy, unique dice. And I don't know, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. the, the dragon in you wanting to collect all of those I dice. I love it. To go quick quiet. No, I really liked the tabletop. There was, uh, what was that Japanese Monopoly that we sat down and played? It was called Iki. Uh, that was the only board game I got a chance to play, but I am 100% buying that game. It was so cool. It was like, yeah, I, I think Japanese Monopoly is a great analogy. It's like, you're basically... There's, it's, I think it's only four people can play it at a time, but basically each of you are like an artisan in like the Edo period of Japan. Um, and your goal is to basically make enough money to win, right? Um, but it's very a lot of really unique mechanics that I've never seen in board games before. Um, it was just very different and very fun. It did feel very complicated and complex. Um, but I get the feeling that once you figure it out and really really you know played a couple times it probably is pretty easy but now yeah that was definitely a really fun game um so many magic cards as you just expect Let's see what else was there um there was a oh, i wish i wrote down the guy's name ahead of time i have his instagram um but i don't have it ready to pull up but he does uh resin sculptures of dragons and dragon heads and busts and all kinds of really cool resin sculptures and they're really pricey because they're like very 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 high quality they're like 4k prints like with really detailed painting and whatnot very solid feeling um and i'm building out a game room in my new house and i was hitting him i'm like hey like i i really want some of this stuff uh so i'm hoping i can like work with him and work out some kind of deal bulk deal or something because um, do you have, I think he's on the Art of Game Mastery uh, Instagram. It's like Daniel something. Yeah, I'm looking him up right now. Um, yeah, we'll definitely put his tag in the uh, YouTube VOD once we upload it because, man, that stuff was awesome. Um, other than that, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of paraphernalia companies. It wasn't even like a lot of game companies. Which was really interesting to me. Um, I was very surprised at that. I was expecting to see more like actual companies shilling their products. You know what I mean, or shilling their games. But that was not the case. And I, I don't know. For those of you who have been there, been to Gen Con before, is that is it normally the case where there's a lot more uh, game companies shilling their stuff, or is it usually pretty much merchandise and whatnot? So the the shadow was for Lee Pancake. He was the uh... Sculptor with what the was resins. It? Pancake. Pan what well, is last name Pancake? Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did find that funny. I don't know if it's the last name of his moniker, but it's it's an awesome name. Daniel Pancake, I think is his name. Um that's a epic name right there. Mm -hmm. It's kinda like a short stack. So <laughs> Gen Con might have been kind of a dud for our first one to go to, but that just means the next Gen Con we go to will can only be better. Yeah, right? you know, I mean I was a little disappointed in the con, but I did have a lot of fun. Uh that night we went out to that uh, that bar with the live music. I had a lot of fun, um, not only because I hadn't you know drank like that in a long time, but also because uh, you know we were to meet a lot of cool people. The um, what did they call it? That little thing outside the the, the conference center, um, the block party. Uh, they had a Gen Con block party where like a, a few like beer companies and soda companies and whatnot like came and like sold like Gen Con exclusive brews and whatnot um and that was really fun we met a few really cool people there um 
John was it? Uh, I just don't remember his name to save mine, but he was really cool. Uh, he actually was helping out at the MDG, the Metallic Dice Games uh, booth, and he was, um, you know, just, he actually I think his his day job was like he uh, worked in the cannabis industry in Michigan. So we were talking about all kinds of that stuff, and that was really interesting and uh, enlightening. And then there was another guy whose name I cannot remember. I'm terrible with names. Um, but he's the one who actually introduced us to enter the, or into the breach or through the breach and got us really excited about that. Um, and we just were really just bullshitting with, a, excuse my French, but um, with a bunch of random people there. And that, that to me is the most fun thing about any con I go to. Like at E3, it was the same thing. Like when I went to E3, like, yeah, you could wait in line to see all the cool stuff. I never did that. I just walked around the floor, met people, had fun, went out, drank with stuff. People and stuff. It was that's that's the fun so, thing of cons for me. Networking. Uh, Paizo did have a bunch of news from Gen Con, so John they did. The, like I said, the news. keynote Paizo did or Eric did from Paizo uh, was really good. There was a lot of really cool stuff that came out of that. Not just for Pathfinder 2E, but also for Starfinder. You know, they announced the new classes, Psychic and Thaumaturge. They announced uh, several new adventure paths. They gave us an update on Kingmaker, which I am ex super excited for. Not really for the campaign itself, but for all of the additional rules that are inevitably going to come with that. Um, a lot of these rules are stuff I've been thinking about anyway. Um, and was planning to release homebrew stuff for. And I probably will still, because it's going to be... I don't think Kingmaker comes out to like summer of next year or something like that. So I'll probably release what I'm working on for our games just as kind of like a stopgap till then. Um, it'll be interesting to compare once they do release, but um, what else they release for Starfinder? They release a ton of stuff like uh, so new, Answer, which yeah, is new classes, new ancestries. I think I think I think it's still called races in Starfinder, but basically ancestries. They call them aliens. Uh, well, aliens were the type of of race they had. They were releasing. Um, they use alien for creatures, so alien. Yeah, is alien archives like their monster manual. I don't um, think they still call But them. in the core rule book, they refer to the player ancestries as races, it, which is a, you know, that's what they did in 3.5e, 3e, 2e, 1e, all that. It was always called race. It wasn't changed to ancestry until 2e, so understandable. Guys um, would like drop the bomb. I mean, there's just so many new things to like release for the content. The player test yeah. for the new, two new classes that got released uh, the following Monday. I don't yep. know if you, anybody had a chance to look at that, but we did post it in our Discord. Yeah, and we'll, be, we'll definitely be doing another stream on those classes. Um, I'm playing a Psychic in Jack's game right now, temporarily, just to test it out. Um, Jack is getting ready to play a Thaumaturge in my game, so we'll be able to test that one out, too. Um, some of the YouTubers have done some... What is Kingmaker, uh, Aloy says? Kingmaker is a old campaign uh, from Pathfinder 1E that is a sandbox campaign, unlike most of their adventure paths they release. Um, it is designed around not only uh, like taking the characters from 1 to 20, but also um, in re into retirement. Like the, the, in, in addition to adventuring, it also provides rules and whatnot for um, establishing your own kingdom, establishing your settlements, etc., and no, no, well, okay. To clarify, Kingmaker was turned into a video game, but it was not originally a video game. The original Kingmaker was a Pathfinder 1E campaign uh, book, and it was very large because, like I said, it, it, it not only sprawled an entire 1 to 20 campaign, like Adventure Path, but it also uh, allowed you to do things like both during the campaign and, and after retirement uh, for things like building a kingdom, 
um, it had a lot of companion rules for like, uh, you know, not just like animal companions and familiars and whatnot, but, but like um, humanoid companions, like, like you wouldn't see, see in video games today, example. Uh, it had a lot of things, uh, a lot of additional rules for crafting, like things you could do uh, that weren't presented in the core rule book. So it's a very comprehensive and exhaustive campaign setting. And it's one of the most well-received campaign settings of any uh, tabletop RPG of its time. Um, and they had, I'm a bit concerned that Paizo aren't doing it themselves, but they contracted a third-party uh, studio to port it, essentially, to Pathfinder 2E. And they're adding their own flair to it as well for Pathfinder 2E. Like, um, one of the things they mentioned was they were taking some of the companions from the video game adaptation that happened years ago and bringing those specific companions into the game as fully fleshed out. You're, you're aware of the most recent Kingmaker game, right? Well, Kingmaker it's, isn't super recent. The Wrath of the, Wrath of the Righteous is the recent one, which is the which is well, made by the same the studio. Overarching, I guess you could say like genre or plot. It's the the type of game that they're they're pumping out. So their Kingmaker has a bunch of different uh I guess you could say titles but it's the same no there's only one kingmaker there's a, the kingmaker adventure but campaign was the kingmaker and then a video game studio owl owl something uh took that adventure path and made a video game for it was kingmaker the video game in 2019 was it that recent? i don't know i don't know they... they've been releasing kingmaker since like xbox one no they haven't at least not that i'm aware of Kingmaker 1E was a ca single campaign, Pathfinder 1E campaign. And then right. they, there Back wasn't a video game adaptation in, the, I guess, 2019. And the Kingmaker, like, franchise. No, they like, haven't. There's, the, Kingmaker is not a franchise. It's a single game. One game. I don't think so. I'm looking this up now to confirm. But... <laughs> okay. So... Uh, so... so... Yeah. In addition to that, there's also going to be Book of the Dead. Yes, which I'm super excited for. Um, for those of you who aren't, so I just looked it up. There is only one uh, Kingmaker game for Pathfinder, video game for Pathfinder, but it's been released released several times apparently with like enhanced edition and uh, bonus content and whatnot. Um, but anyway, um, so for those of you who aren't aware, that we have in Pathfinder 2e we have bestiary one bestiary two and bestiary three right the, the three the trifecta of bestiaries um and paizo has come out and said that they are no longer um going to be releasing uh, they've, they've basically exhausted all of the gener generic monsters they want to release so now they're going to keep releasing monster manuals but they're going to be specific to types of monsters so like this first one is all about undead so you know your liches your zombies your uh, skeletons, your um, raids, all that stuff. Like, it's just going to be an entire book of undead. <laughs> the Book of Dead. Um, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think... They have additional rules for running your own necromancer. Right. Yeah, they're going to have some extra stuff in there, too, for, like, player options. And um, I, I think they said they weren't going to have classes, but they're probably... They are going to have archetypes, what I think they said. Right. They said they weren't going to have full classes in this one, but I think they said they were going to have archetypes and, and versatile heritages, I think is what Eric said in his keynote. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's remember that's what what he said. Um, 
which is cool. I love archetypes. I think archetypes is one of the uh, um, best parts of Pathfinder 2e. Um, and uh, there's actually a Reddit a Reddit post on the Pathfinder 2e subreddit recently where someone had made a, a remark about how Pathfinder 2e is incredibly easy to um, homebrew for and how it, it felt like there were just so many building blocks that were so easily interconnected. Excuse me. And um, they said in the post that they felt like it was created by a software engineer because of the way it's created. And um, uh, Mark Schieffer, I believe is his name, uh, is a software engineer, and he was one of the designers on Pathfinder 2e. And he was actually awesome enough to come into that thread and give some background on his design philosophy and how it did take um, arcings from object-oriented programming and modular design uh, in the design of Pathfinder 2e, which is completely obvious when you when you uh, you know you look at how it's how it's set up, which I think is awesome. I think it's a brilliant approach. Um, it's it's a you know everyone says 5e is super easy to homebrew for, and it is. Um, I won't will dismiss that, uh, but I think the the approaches they take to it are different. Whereas 5e is so easy to homebrew for because there's no rules, you just kind of do whatever the hell you want. Um, and Pathfinder 2e has a lot of rules, but it's also very easy to homebrew for because of how modular and well thought out the structure of those rules are. So there's a sequel out now for beta testing. Uh, yeah, the Wrath of... Uh, okay, so Wrath, Wrath of the Righteous. Righteous is not a sequel to Kingmaker. It is a, another Pathfinder game by the same studio, but it is not a sequel to the Kingmaker store, from what I understand. Wrath of the Righteous is another adventure path by Paizo, which is also super well-received. Um, and I'm a little bummed that the video game has uh, not received the greatest praise, I'll put it that way, um, due to several bugs and whatnot. Um, but from what I understand, they're two separate adventure paths. Both of them turned into a video game by the same company. Um, but yeah, uh, Kingmaker, the video game, was super well-received. It was super buggy at the beginning, too. But once they ironed those out, it was apparently really well-liked, from what I understand. I haven't played either of these. Um, I generally don't like these kind of games in video games because I feel like the beautiful thing about them... Um, is that they work so well in a tabletop RPG setting because they're so sprawling and because everything's made up as you go and there's no rules or constrictions except for what the GM puts in place. Whereas when you're making the same thing to a video game, you inherently have all these you know, restrictions and whatnot that have to be there to make it playable that you kind of lose some of the magic of some of these games, in my opinion. So you know, I, I accept that many people love it, they're not for me, though. Um, as much as I love RPGs, I don't feel like these kinds of games translate well to our, to video game RPGs. But that's just my, my opinion. Um, obviously not the one of everyone. Um, there was another announcement for Absalom. Is that new, or is it already out? Uh, it is coming out. Uh, it is okay. a new thing they're doing. Um, Absalom is one of the most prominent cities in the Lost Omens uh, Galarian setting. Um, it is the kind of like the Waterdeep or the Neverwinter of... Uh, oh, no. Of is it Galarian. really? That was it, like the most boring section of... of no, no, no. It's not, not, not the, the, the adventure paths, not like those adventure paths. I'm just saying like the city is that kind of deal where it's like 
when you think of Galarian, that's the city you think of. Whereas, like, you think of Forgotten Realms, Waterdeep is the city that comes to mind. It's like... So it's an urban environment, urban dungeon. It's, it's a it's massive a city. Um, I don't think the Absalom... I mean, the Absalom book is not an adventure path. So it's not like the Waterdeep adventure path in 5e. It is just a book explaining the city. Like, talking about all the, the different districts. The, and... the Expanse, the Mangawi Expanse? Kind of that like that, yeah. Like? Yeah, it's one of the Lost Omen books, from what I understand. So... It's more lore than it is like something to run, which I think is cool. Um, I don't use the Galarian setting in my games, general. but I love seeing them because I love, you know, taking ideas and massaging them as something that fits in my world and using them. Some call it I stealing, some be... call it borrowing. John, I think there might be some like small or short adventure path oh, is there? that goes with it. Okay. I'm I'm only only guessing this off of because there were games for getting into this that they were all booked up uh, when we looked at the Pathfinder games. Absalom was the only uh, like available game, but it was it was for brand new people, so like it was like pre-generated characters. Uh, and so the, okay, I see. They're probably gonna do adventure paths in Ath or uh, what are the what does Paizo call the short like uh, short play adventure, adventure paths? Path? I can't remember what they the were. ones that are like a couple pages long that they release like in PDF form. I forget their names, but I, th I guarantee there will be those. But I think this book is in specific, at least according to what Eric said in the keynote, is going to be specific about lore. Um, but I have no doubt they'll release adventure paths around it. They did the same thing with Milwaukee Expanse, they did the same thing with um, oh, what was the one they released before that? Uh, the Phoenix Tournament, uh. Though the Phoenix tournament actually came out before the the book that that setting is in, um, I forget the name of that region in Galarian, but they're, it's like the far eastern region. Um, there's also is this is this new or out? I can't remember. They said the Shrinks of a Thousand. Is that one out? I don't remember that one, so I can't say for sure. Shrinks of a Thousand is supposed to be the adventure path that goes with the however you say the Megabi uh, Expanse. That might be out already then, but I don't know. Um, I don't follow the adventure paths super closely um, because I don't I don't play them. Um, but we should we should we should. Um, I actually I really want to incorporate the Ruby Ruby Phoenix tournament whatever in Shifting Sands, but it's it's actually a fairly high level tournament. So I'm just waiting for you guys to get there. <laughs> um, I think it's like level ten or nine or eleven or somewhere around there where it starts off. Um, but it sounds like a really fun, really fun adventure path to run. So I will probably, um, you know, plop that out and put it, massage There's, it a little bit and put it in Shifting Sand somewhere for you guys because it sounds really fun. be six of them. What, the Ruby Phoenix? Uh, for the strength of thousands, there's going to be six like little. Yeah, short I think those are the. I think those are the ones where I was talking about. They're like these little mini adventures it's, that are like multi. They release them in like set parts. You know what I mean? It's like each one's like a few pages of content, and then Tianxia, yeah, or Tianxia, however it's pronounced. That's the Far Eastern region of Galarian, and I remember Eric mentioning in the um, keynote, kind of in passing, that they are going to be doing a setting book on that soon, which I'm super excited for, because I love Far Eastern settings, and I feel like they're not represented enough in tabletop RPGs today. So they dropped a ton of news on yeah. us to like what Paizo is going to be releasing. So there's not going to be an end to. And a lot of it's cover. coming out like in October. Uh, 
And when do you get your uh, next issue? Of, uh, uh, I think October third. Actually, it sh my stuff is already shipped, so I should have the PDFs already. But I think the actual uh, like physical copy comes out in stores on like tenth of October of both the um, gun or guns and gears. I think is what it's called, and the uh, lost one of the lost Owen books that I also got um, comes out in October as well. And I can't know which one it is. But yeah, this is the first. So I've been subscribed to Paizo for a while, um, just for the Lost Omens and the core rule books. And this is the first time I've gotten a shipment with two books at the same time. Like that's the the rate they're putting out content is just absolutely insane. And frankly, I don't know how it's sustainable. Like I don't know how they can keep pushing out content so quickly month after month like this. I mean, they're not a very big company. They don't have a lot of employees. They have a lot of contractors, but even so, that's a lot of money to spend to pump out stuff this quickly. Especially with the quality of their books, the artwork yeah, that they're the doing. Quality, not only the quality of the content, but yeah, the quality of the art, the quality of the book, like the physical quality of the books themselves. Like You still can't find anything in the books, and you have to use the online search engine. Yeah, but... the layout leaves a little bit to be desired, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... I, I'm, I'll be very surprised if they keep keep this rate up in the coming years. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Pathfinder, John, but they had like 30 classes in Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. So for them to only have the first 10 out at release, most people who were transitioning from Pathfinder to second edition felt like there wasn't enough yeah. classes in one of their races. I know even I was coming from 3.5 and 5th edition coming in. Remember, I, I had to quickly homebrew a mm -hmm. lizard folk in a catbook because I just didn't have them. Yeah. Um, but like, I think it were what like when come down it came out in what 2016 yeah 2019 is when Pathfinder 2 came out right and I we're we're two years in and we already have like over half of what Pathfinder one e had in terms of like classes and whatnot so it's crazy. I mean the the rate they're going is like what every six months they're releasing two new classes they're play testing them yeah and then... it's like it's like every three months there's a new book like one set of three months it's Lost Omens the next three months it's like a rule book of some sort or something it's they wild like milk it for another two years i i like i could see them milking this for yeah. another two years i mean i have no doubt that they'll continue pumping out 2e content for years to come like this is an extremely successful game for them um it's actually if you look at the numbers it's actually more successful than 1e um it it's just that the overall market of Pathfinder or of tabletop region general has grown, so naturally the amount of sales is going to grow. But um, I yeah, I think they'll be sticking to it for a while. Um, but I just don't I can't imagine that they're going to stick to that three month schedule. That is just so tight, and I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm maybe I'm a little biased coming from video games, but I feel like there's got to be some crunch going on there to meet those deadlines, um, because that's that is a super tight deadline for any kind of creative work. So we'll see, I guess. But man, as a consumer, I love it. Looking at it from a creative standpoint, I feel like they've <laughs> got to be hurt, <laughs> the, the people. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, this has just got to be overall good for them in general, their bottom line. Yeah. Um, well, there has been a, a new edition that was play tested for Shadowrun. Shadowrun is in its seventh edition now. Wait, they're um, play testing 7e? Is it 6th sure edition? That? Sixth edition. Sixth edition sixth. is out already. It's not playtesting it. It's been out for a couple years now. I played the latest edition. Yeah. And, I, you said you uh, played 6E, which is the latest edition for sure. 
Um, it's not super well received around Shadowrun fans, but I think it seems fine. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I've really played Shadowrun, like, so the the phobia and the fear that like if fifth edition goes into sixth, if D and D goes into sixth edition, like it's going to alienate their players. And I think Shadowrun is a good example of that because it's a smaller um, kind of metric to measure, just like how uh, poorly sixth edition was received. When I was playing uh, six, though, nobody, there wasn't really the flaws weren't as blatant or glaring coming into Shadowrun, so right. I can see like. I yeah, I definitely want to. Um, I definitely want to give Shadowrun a try. Um, it seems fun. Um, and the way you describe it, it was fun. So I'm more excited about it now. Um, I also, I really want to try Cyberpunk Red though. I know I, I. I'm a bit old school, and I don't like my fantasy and my cyberpunk. Um, so I think cyberpunk reds are more up my alley. But I definitely still want to give Sh uh, Shadowrun a try because it just it seems interesting. There's so many options to choose from, especially through the breach. I was really hoping to get yeah. uh, a game on that. The Malfo uh, or Malfax minis that I had been collecting and painting for like my other games. Mm -hmm. I already like I already taste of what the lore is. Uh, that that kind of dark ultra grim kind of pathfinder stuff. That's the one that's steampunky, right? There's a quite a bit of steampunk. They've got the goblins have whiskey barrel golems. Yes, love it. Little like mechanical spiders, like doomers. Yeah. See, I don't know. I, I mentioned this in our Discord uh, yesterday. Steampunks and skypunk are such like underutilized genres. I feel like in and tabletop RPGs and video games. I feel like they just aren't explored enough, and I think they're so neat, and I would love to see more of them. Um, we've kind of been playing with uh, with uh, some Skypunk-oriented uh, Pathfinder 2E stuff we, we're thinking about throwing out. Um, still in the design phase there, nothing really concrete, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think airship combat, things like that is... Is something that's still kind of lacking in the rules department in uh, Pathfinder 2e, so I think it'd be fun, fun thing to release. Any other games in particular looking that caught your uh, caught your fancy? Um, well, going um away from uh, Gen Con a bit, um, we have some homebrew stuff. We had a I had a teaser a bit on the Discord from the Twitter after talking to the artist. Okay, so, so that be... that art you posted was. The context was that it's for the thing you're releasing, right? It is definitely a okay. teaser, yep. I, yeah, I saw the cool art, art, and it's really cool art, but I don't know what it's for, but I, I see, I get you. That's, uh, yeah, if that's coming, I mean, I don't know what you're releasing, so if that's coming, sounds really cool, because <laughs> that art was awesome. Uh, John and I have been trying to just go back and forth. We're finding illustrators, so if you guys are, are watching, we're always looking for new illustrators. Um, I'm yep. trying to get on a good um, like pay schedule with some of these guys to get them to you know, monthly, monthly submissions, basically. Yeah. So we can get up there and get start getting more stuff released at a time. Yeah, I'm uh something. We really want to push out more homebrew content on the website, and um, I think we have a few ideas in that regards. Uh, you know, classes we really want to do. I would love to do a full dancer class. Um, but classes are the thing in Pathfinder Two that take the most time to create and balance and test. Um, so I think before we go down that road, we're probably going to get more smaller things out, like archetypes, relics, uh, like 
uh, options for like things like rogue and cleric and stuff like that. You know, rogue has the racket, cleric has cleric has the I don't remember what they call it, the discipline, discipline, or what, domain or whatever it is. Um, so those kind of things that are kind of more small and concise and more easy to construct, uh, balance and test. Those will probably be our first efforts there. Um, and then eventually I would love to get into class creation and whatnot. Um, it's just, and it's a lot of time. I, I think monster, monsters were well-received, so I want to keep making more monsters. Monsters is another yeah. great one. Um, I'm also, I, I've hinted at it in the discord, but I'm also working on some companion rules, uh, for Pathfinder 2e, uh, humanoid companion rules. Um, so, yeah, I'm anxious to get those out. Very interested to see what Kingmaker's companion rules look like in comparison to mine. Um, so that'll be interesting. But uh, what else we got going? Um, we we can use free dimensions. We are on Spotify now. Uh, this, this Finding Path stream is on Spotify. Um, audio only, of course. Uh, but... The audio quality actually on Spotify far exceeds both Twitch and YouTube, uh, even with the same the same the same file. So um, I don't know what they what kind of you know enhancements they do there, but I was really impressed with that audio quality coming out of Spotify. So uh, if you you know ever you know want to listen to this on the go and don't have time to tune in on Twitch or uh, you know watch a one hour video on YouTube, you know you have a commute or something like that, definitely check us out there. Um, Trying to get more streams there so we can get some better analytics or whatnot. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're watching that, doing the kind of the closing thoughts here, but if you're watching this on uh, YouTube uh, after it's uploaded, um, definitely, you know, like, hit the like button, subscribe button, um, hit the bell if you want to be notified. All this stuff help, helps us get the algorithm in our direction and really gets us shown to other people um, and gets our our messages out there and whatnot. So we really appreciate that. Um, the, the, the sub sub and view count has been steadily growing. So that's really good. Uh, we're happy to see that same with Instagram and Twitter, uh, things are growing. Um, so hopefully we can start getting some more, uh, non stream content out. Like, uh, Jack and I have been discussing, um, like going back to the GM basics series that I started with and also some other, um, series that we're planning on working on. Uh, one of them, Jack was thinking of doing, uh, a world-building and lore-oriented uh, stream of Elder Scrolls Online to just kind of discuss the world-building and quest-building there in context of a Game Master perspective, which I think would be a really cool idea. Um, you should be uh, uploading that pretty soon. Yeah, we do have the first episode of that. Uh, I need. To, I, have a, I have a lot of video editing and um, uploading work to catch up on since coming from Gen Con. Um, we also have a lot of footage from Gen Con that I want to try to throw together a kind of just a time-lapse video of it. To, you know, compilation. Yeah, compilation of it. If you guys so are look interested, out for that as well. When we do post the Elder Paths, we'll be covering uh, dungeon design and bosses in that one. So if you're looking for well, some... Yeah, I mean, the Elder Paths is the Elder Scrolls thing. Uh, we're, still, we're still discussing what's going to be in there. I don't know if dungeons and bosses will be involved because it doesn't really fit the mission of, of Game Mastery, which is what this channel is so about. For Game Mastery, when you're making new bosses, you're making the mechanics for the fights, some That's of that Game fair, Mastery yeah. can come into play. Yeah, we're still figuring all that out. Um, we really want to get some pre-recorded content up. It's, you know, we have this we have this weekly stream, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, 
it's once a week. We think we feel like we get more content out there more often. Uh, get people going better. Especially so, be able to stream on YouTube instead of Twitch. Yeah, our audience is primarily on YouTube, so we we were kind of playing with the idea of switching this this stream to YouTube. Unfortunately, like pretty much everything else YouTube offers, uh, feature wise, it's locked behind that thousand sub um, barrier. So we've got a bit of a ways till we can get there. Um, our next goal is 100 subs. If we can get the 100 subs, we can get um, the specific channel name. So it's not just like a random channel ID in the link. So that hopefully will help with, uh, you know, sharing and whatnot. Um, so that's our current goal. After that, the next big goal is 1,000. If we can get to 1,000, that would be amazing. Um, that's where monetization hits in. That's where um, uh, you can start doing things like posting uh text things in your channel and polls and whatnot you can uh um stream like we mentioned you can there's all kinds of stuff you can do at a thousand subs that for whatever all shorts shorts is the other one you can do at a thousand on youtube i don't know why they lock all this behind a thousand subs it doesn't make any sense to me um and i think it's detrimental <laughs> but uh, it is what it is so we just gotta you know hop on that train and try to get there as soon as we can so the more you guys sub the more you guys watch the more you guys view uh, that really helps us get there sooner. So, um, definitely also something we haven't really brought up is, you know, we're, we're talking about releasing our homebrew stuff and doing all these videos. Uh, definitely. If you guys have anything in particular, you want to see in, in regards to homebrew content, videos, whatever, definitely let us know. We'll try to, we'll try to start incorporating that, um, and get that out there. Uh, if there's any homebrew stuff you want to see and you want to try playing out and shifting sands or any of our other games, let us know. We're happy to work with you there as well. Um, things like archetypes and relics and things like that. Uh, if you want to, you have a cool idea for one that doesn't exist. Happy to work with you on that. Maybe release it on the website and whatnot. Um, and also you can play it out, you know, play it in our games to test it out, see if you like it or not. Um, so yeah, shifting sands is our, uh, West March's style game that we're running and via Discord and Foundry. Uh, we'll have the link in the video description. We should probably put the link for that in the Twitch description as well, Jack. I don't think we have it in there right now. Um, no, we, we have uh, Art of Game Master Discord. We'd love you guys to join as well. Um, we keep it separate because not everyone who you know wants to join, listen to our content, wants to necessarily play in our game. So we have them separate Discords, just kind of make it easier on those people. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else to say for closing thoughts, Jack? Um, next week, um, we are, what, what are we covering, John? I don't know. <laughs> All right. We will update the calendar with what we're covering next week. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Have a good one. Happy gaming.